Wow. Well, that was an exciting thing to see. And um, through the miracle of technology, uh, we were able to have a, a hybrid this morning of uh, the choir when they had previously recorded that. No, they were not here with us this morning. But in some time before COVID-19, they had sung that and um, recorded on a Sunday morning. And we were able to have that in combination with our live players and, and uh, Pastor Brendan, Gerard, and Javon. I hope you enjoyed that today. And I, you know, I'm always astonished how the Holy Spirit gives guidance and wisdom, <clears throat> and um, I, I did not speak with Pastor Brent, who selected the material today about what I was speaking on, but particularly his solo and the choir number that followed could not have been more appropriate for what I want to share with you today. And that is this. <clears throat> I'm just wondering if you're feeling like many of us are feeling, and, and I'm feeling as well, and it's like we're in a wilderness a wilderness. I know that some of our folks are managing this quite well, and uh, but there are others who are truly, truly struggling. We all have our various coping skills with what's going on. But I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes um, about being in a wilderness. And I'm going to encourage you today. I, I don't often do this, but why don't you get a pen and paper out? Because I have some specific points that I think could be of help to you maybe in the coming days, particularly if you are finding yourself in a, in a wilderness today. And I would also say this. <clears throat> this may apply to some of us today with regard to the uh, isolation that we're feeling and to the shelter in place and the stay at home and all that we've that we are coping with in the uniqueness of these days, that may be the wilderness or that may be the trigger for the wilderness that you're sensing, or it may apply to you in some other way uh, in your life of what you're dealing with, whether it's financially or uh, spiritually, physically, or emotionally. But regardless what the form is or, or why you are there, it is true that every single one of us either has been is now or very soon will be uh, in a season of walking in a wilderness. And it is certainly true in these days. Get your Bible or your device, please, and let's go to one verse, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Now, I'm going to be using, I'll have other passages that I bring with this, and I'm using a variety of scriptural versions today. Uh, and of the different versions that I'm using, I'm starting with something that's known as the Passion Translation. I've not used that before, but I'm getting acquainted with it. And believe it or not, it's only one verse for my text today. And it's Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And it says this, <clears throat> Afterward, meaning after the water baptism of Jesus by uh, John the Baptist, Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness. That's really encouraging, isn't it? The lonely wilderness. It's one thing to have to go to the wilderness. It's another thing uh, to be sent to the lonely wilderness. And that's where it's what the Scripture says, that Jesus was sent into a place all by himself. The rest of us says, in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. So today I'm talking to you about the wilderness. And though the word wilderness never really brings up um, 
positive thoughts in our mind, typically. When we hear the word, we, we assume something negative and dark and ominous. I'm going to propose to you this morning that maybe, just maybe, there's purpose in the wilderness. Maybe there's purpose in it. And also that through this message, you possibly will come to see or come to have a different perspective on the concept of the wilderness. The first part of our text says this, and we just read it. Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness. Now, before I preach through this verse piece by piece, and that is my intention this morning, there's plenty in this one verse to give you today. Before I preach through this verse piece by piece, in somewhat of a preamble, if you will, I want you to see something. We know that the Scripture refers to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. We know that He is the Comforter. We've experienced Him as the Comforter. So let me reread this verse to you, or this first part of the verse, and show you this verse this way, and I want you to think about it. Afterward, the Comforter led Jesus to a lonely place. Does that make sense to you? Why would the comforter, I mean, we would expect that if he's the comforter, he would lead us to a place of comfort where we had all that we have need of and, and there would be plenty of supply and we would be satisfied with every, everything. That's what we would expect the comforter to do. But the scripture says afterward, after he'd been baptized, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness. Why would the comforter Lead someone to the lonely place. Here we go. Again, Matthew 4, 1 is our text today. and I'll return to it often. Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness. And here comes the three most important words in this verse. In order to. In order to. Point number one today is this. Every wilderness has and in order to. Now, uh, you know I'm the grandfather of two precious granddaughters. They're the best in the world. I always remind you of that. We heard from our daughter yesterday <coughs> who's in Georgia, and she is the mother. She and, and her husband Chris are the parents of our oldest granddaughter who this week will turn 19 months old. And our daughter has begun to notice a little change in her 19-month-old. And those of you who've raised children, you understand what's going on. Her sweet, precious, cuddly, lovable, loving baby that she's had up to this point is suddenly starting to manifest some other expressions and some other attitudes. She wouldn't nap yesterday, and she wouldn't uh, do some of the things, and she was beginning to show some attitudes that happened with what we call the terrible twos, which we all know they hit about six months early. So this is about right. So our daughter, in her typical fashion, she did her research, which we call Google, and to say, what is going on here? Why is this? And what she found out in looking is that there are legitimate things taking place within the body of a child that age in order to allow them to develop in the way they should, in order to allow them to become what they are designed to be. Now, there's this season you got to walk through, and who knows how long that's going to be, but that's the in order to. 
Those of you who are parents of preteens, where the dots are not connecting, in fact, things are misfiring all over the place, and you just have no idea what's going on, it's because they are in a developmental stage in order to become what they need to become, to become what they're designed to become. This is all part of that process. Every wilderness you will ever walk through has an in order to. Your parents of teenagers today, just mystified by the way they're acting, mystified by the way they're con- they are going through a process in order to become all that God has designed them to be. Now, probably like you, I'm not a real big fan of the wilderness. Uh, I vote no, you know. But honestly, listen to me, Bethesda, please. I can find at least some measure of comfort in the wilderness as long as I know there is an in order to. As long as I know God's doing something, as long as I know that there's purpose in it, as long as I know that this wilderness that I'm walking through is not for naught. And surely all of you know that I'm not talking about uh, um, the desert or literal wilderness that you can go to with your feet. I'm talking about a wilderness that you're visiting with your heart, with your mind, a wilderness you're visiting with your spirit and your emotions and your soul. When your soul is in the wilderness, it's a very, very, very lonely place. But I can find some degree of comfort knowing that maybe God is working on something in me because there is an order, an in order to, in my wilderness. You and I aren't the first to visit the wilderness. I was in a conversation here a few, just a few months ago where someone was talking with me and one of the other pastors on staff, we were on a phone call, and they said, Pastor Dan, I, I know you've faced some tough days, and, and uh, from what I understand, in the last few years, you've been to hell and back. And I said, yes, a few times. And, and they said, well, I am too, and I need a tour guide, is what they said, is the way they said it. I need somebody who's been there to help me navigate through what I'm going through, and I need to talk to somebody who's, who's got some who's limping and has a few battle scars and who can tell me what this tour is like. And I understood exactly what they meant. So let's look at some who, in the Scripture, who we know have walked through the wilderness. Well, we know Jesus went through the wilderness. Our text is about him being sent to the wilderness. We know that John the Baptist was in the wilderness. And we certainly know that the children of Israel, the Israelites, were in the wilderness in the Old Testament And God did a work in them in the wilderness. And I want to focus on them for just a moment. Let me show you Exodus 13, 17. It says this. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Kind of reminds you of the airlines, doesn't it? You're trying to go from DFW to Chicago, but they send you to New York or Los Angeles to get there sometimes. It's not the shortest route. Well, that's what God did to the Israelites. He did not send them on the shortest route to get from Egypt to the promised land. Verse 18 even says, God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Back to 17 tells us why God did that. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, 
while they're en route. They may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them. Let me back up. I did that too quickly. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. He led them straight into the wilderness. But then when Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 replays this story, God is reminding the Israelites of this. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you. And here come the same three words. In order to. So Bethesda, the big question I need to ask you this morning is this. What is your dot, dot, dot? I'm sure you know there's an actual grammatical word for what we call dot, dot, dot. It's called an ellipsis. What is your ellipsis? It's like the Holy Spirit led Pastor Dan Smith into the lonely wilderness in order to dot, dot, dot. What is my in order to finish the sentence? What is God trying to do in me? And I may not know the answer to that question today. However, I find comfort in knowing that God has something next for me. I'm not just wandering in the desert. I'm not just wandering in a wilderness. God has purpose in this that's taking place in my life. It is in order to, meaning there's something that's coming next. And he loves me and he loves you too much to put us in front of that next thing without taking us to the place which will properly prepare us. So what I must ask myself is this, God... What is my ellipsis? How are you trying, God, to stretch me? How are you trying to change me? And really, God, what are you after in me? What are you going after in me? Back to our text. Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to... And here's where we discover the ellipsis of Jesus in order to reveal his strength against the accuser. Point number two. Every wilderness has a big reveal. Every wilderness has a big reveal. Every wilderness is trying to reveal something to you. Every wilderness is God's attempt at knocking on the door of your heart and say, hey, can we talk? I've got something I need to show you. I have something I really need to share with you. I really need to talk to you about this. And what I want to know is, are you open to it? God's trying to reveal something about us to ourselves. And that's what the wilderness is all about. Every wilderness has a big reveal. The truth is, The wilderness is one of God's greatest tools that is used to reveal our own hearts to us. Every wilderness that you will ever walk through will reveal some portion of your heart which God intends to inhabit. God is endeavoring to inhabit. 
We used to sing a song years ago, Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. It's the only tune that I can recall in church music history that I've walked through that talked about the various kingdoms of our heart. And so the, that, the, the call or the cry of that song is, Jesus, be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. I'm going to boldly put it to you this way this morning. God isn't just trying to get your marriage. He doesn't really want your kids for your sake. No. He doesn't really want your money. He doesn't want your career. He doesn't particularly want your job. He wants just one thing. God is obsessed with getting your heart. Obsessed with getting your heart. Because here's the way it works. If you truly will give God your heart, guess what happens? He gets your money. He gets your kids. He gets your marriage. He gets your career. He gets your life. He gets every single part of you. Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. He doesn't seem to be particularly interested in getting us a la carte. Well, take that. I'll take some of that. Let's just let's work on your finances, Dan. Let's, let's work on your marriage. Let's see what we can do about your kids. No, just give me your heart. The wilderness will reveal the parts of our heart of which God is in pursuit. And it may be that little piece of your heart that you think you've got well hidden and tucked away. God is in search of all of us. Back again to Deuteronomy 8. Let me give you the rest of that verse when he's reminding the Israelites. God said, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. God is always going after your heart. You'll recall that after Jesus was born to his mother Mary, Joseph and Mary took the Christ child to Jerusalem to present him in dedication to God. And in the temple there, they found and bumped into Simeon. We've heard many messages here over the years on Simeon. Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms, and Luke chapter 2, verse 34 says this. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, Simeon said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. One of the reasons that Jesus came to earth was to reveal the things that are in our hearts so that ultimately our hearts belong to him. And as much as we don't like the wilderness, as much as we will moan and groan and complain about the wilderness, the reality is this, the wilderness will reveal our hearts to God. And that's really, really important. So the question then usually quickly follows is this. Okay, Pastor Dan. If I buy into all this that you're saying about the wilderness, can I just ask this? How long does this wilderness have to last? How long do I have to feel this way? How long do I have to hide this addiction that I have? 
How long do I have to struggle through the process of this wilderness? I can answer that for you. We know that the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. Hold on. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. But did you know that geographically speaking, I checked this out, the journey from Egypt to the promised land was an 11-day walk that took them 40 years. 11-day walk from Egypt to the promised land that took them 40 years. Why? Why? Well, I, I, I assume that you do know what's waiting for you just on the other side of the wilderness, right, in the promised land. I hope you know what's waiting for you when you get there. Battles. Lots of battles. That's what's waiting for you on the other side. God works on us in the wilderness to prepare us for battle. And why is that important? It's because, do you know what you were designed to do as a follower of Christ? Do you know? You were designed to take ground as a believer in Jesus. Take ground for your marriage. Take ground for your family. Take ground for the kingdom of God. Yes, take ground for your local church. So God takes you to the wilderness to do a work in you in order to teach you how to possess the promised land. Now listen carefully to this. It only took a few days for the Israelites to leave Egypt. They got it all together, packed up, and they're walking away. To leave Egypt, and you understand, to leave their slavery. Just took a few days for them to get out of there. But it took 40 years for the slavery to leave them. They were no longer slaves, but they were still acting like slaves. It took them 40 years to stop acting like slaves. It took 40 years for them to realize their true authority. And how are we any different? We're not. Because didn't, didn't you give your life to Jesus 20 years ago? So you're out of slavery, you're a son, you're a daughter of God, and maybe you gave your life to Jesus 10, 20, 40, 80 years ago. But how often do we still act like slaves? How often do we not live in the authority as sons and daughters of the sovereign almighty God? So when you ask me, Pastor Dan, how long will my wilderness last? Here's my answer. It will last until you give God your whole heart, every piece of it. And he will pursue you relentlessly to get every corner, every nook and cranny of your heart. And so it comes down to this. Perhaps sending you into the wilderness was God's choosing. But the length of stay is yours. You and I play a role in this process of our wilderness journey. Am I going to dig in my heels and be stubborn, or will I allow God to do the work in my heart he's wanting to do? And also, while we're talking about it and while we're asking questions, 
What instrument does God, what instrument does the wilderness use to excavate or lay bare my heart? What instrument is used? Well, let me take you back to our text and see if we have an answer there. Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser. And oh, here, I found it. Here it is. Here's the instrument. By going through the ordeal of testing. Really? Yeah. Really. Well, yuck. Nobody likes testing. Point number three. Every wilderness has an ordeal. Every wilderness has an ordeal. You know what the definition of an ordeal is in the dictionary? I looked it up. It's a painful experience. Any extremely severe or trying test experience or trial. So I've got another question for you, Bethesda. What's your ordeal? What's your painful experience? Think about this. The Israelites leave Egypt. They leave their slavery. They reach the point where they're going to send spies, you know the story, into the promised land. And the spies come back with this really bad report. They're fearful. The enemy's bigger than we are. We'll never take them. And historians tell us that from the time the children of Israel left Egypt until the time they sent the spies in, it was 390 days, 390 days, leaving Egypt until the time they decided to send the spies in, 390 days. Send the spies in, spies come back to say, they're too big, we'll never beat them, it's over, it's over. Can I tell you, that was their ordeal. That was their test. Do they have, the test was, do they have faith required to take the territory? And so what happened was fear drove them back to the people with the bad report and when that happened, God said, back to the wilderness you go. You're not ready. Back to the wilderness you go. You're not ready to fight the battle yet. You're not ready to face the battle yet. And 390 days then turned into 14,600 days, 40 years. 390 days turns into 14,600 days, 40 years. Hmm. 390 days, 14,600. And we all have to answer the question, how long is my ordeal going to last? But church, in case you're mad at me for all this, there's good news today. Because the wilderness does something to us that is least expected when we're going through it. And it's my point number four. Every wilderness reveals a new strength. Every wilderness reveals in you a new strength. Every single wilderness that you walk through, no matter how long you have to walk through it, when you finally walk out of that wilderness, when you take your last steps out of it, you will find that you are a stronger person, a much stronger person. You walk through something that grew your faith, Put some backbone in you. Put some maturity in you. 
gave you some life experience that showed you some things where you realize that through Christ, through Christ, you can do all things. There is nothing in Christ that you cannot conquer, but it takes the wilderness to prove it. Let me encourage you with this verse from Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak. I'm so glad. And strength to the powerless. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Thank God it does not say he gives power or more power to the powerful and that he gives strength to the strong. No. And when you understand that in this context, it's, it's almost as if a prerequisite to God's strength is the wilderness. So then maybe, just maybe, the wilderness is the very thing I need. Maybe, just maybe, the wilderness is the very thing you need. I know it's not fun, but Bethesda, if you're in one or find yourself heading into one, I have one piece of advice. Let it do its work in you because there is an, an in order to underneath all of it. Let that wilderness do its work in you. There are three things that God was showing the Israelites in their wilderness. And I'm going to suggest to us that maybe these same three things are important to us as well. I think God might be showing them to us because here's what we learn from the wilderness. Number one, the wilderness prepares us for the battles to come. If you were sitting here, I would ask you to repeat that with me. The wilderness prepares us for the battles to come. It is the place of preparation. The Israelites had to learn this, and you and I need to learn it too. The wilderness prepares us for the battles that are coming. It's the place where we're learning how to hold the shield and to wield the sword. I'm left-handed. Hold the shield and wield the sword. Second lesson that's learned in the wilderness. The wilderness teaches us who our source really is. Who our source really is. I'm sure you remember what happened to them in the wilderness. Something like Einstein bagels started falling from the sky. Manna from heaven. I would hope for cinnamon sugar toasted with uh, strawberry cream cheese. That would be great. That's what was falling from the sky. And here's what God was teaching them in the wilderness. Here's what he was showing them. I, the Lord God, I am your provider. I will provide for you. Egypt is not your provider. I am your provider. And when you get into the promised land and you're fighting battle after battle after battle, I am teaching you this now so that you will be able to turn back to me then and say, God, you are my provider. You are my Jehovah Jireh. You are where I get my strength from. You are where I get my hope. You are where I get my finances. My job doesn't pay me, God. You're my provider. The government is not my provider. The Lord God Almighty is my provider. And you know where you learn that? You know where you profoundly get that in you? In the wilderness. That's
That's where you learn it. The third thing God teaches you, taught the Israelites teaching us when you're in the wilderness is this. God will make a way when there is no other way. That's a lesson from the wilderness. Their backs were up against the Red Sea. You know it. But then the waters parted. Who did that? Did Moses do it? No. God made a way when there was no other way. And they learned in the wilderness that God was the way maker, the miracle worker, so that when they got to the promised land and they were the, where they were supposed to be, they would stand strong in that. When every battle would come, when every challenge would come, every obstacle would be there, and it looked like there was no other way out, they could look back and say, God is the one who makes a way when there appears to be no other way. And church, you will experience God in the wilderness in ways that you will never experience him on the mountaintop. When they were still in slavery in Egypt, <clears throat> Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and say, oh, I love this, Exodus chapter 5. Moses and Aaron go into Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. It is in the wilderness that they're going to feast on me, says God. As we were worshiping in this room this morning, Singers and musicians were leading us. This thought was on my mind as I just paced back and forth. I thought, Lord, let us feast on you today. Feast on you in your presence. And be nourished by who you are. You will never realize, dear friend, that God is all you need until he's all you have. You will never, never realize that God is all you need until he's all you have. You'll never realize how much you need him until he's all you have. Because the wilderness is where we're exposed to God's goodness, God's grace, God's empowerment. And maybe, just maybe, that's what Paul was talking about in James chapter 1 when he said this. I'm using the message. James 1. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Wow. It's hard to read. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And the NIV says, let perseverance finish its work. Let the wilderness do its work. Why? Because God wants your whole heart. So we've got Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. We've got the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. I think I'll pick 40 days. How about you? If that's the choice, it's going to take 40 days rather than 40 years, then let's learn why Jesus made it only 40 days. What did Jesus do in the wilderness? It's very simple. He used the most powerful weapon at our disposal, which is the Word of God. Do you remember what Jesus said all three times when he was tempted by the devil? Sure you do. It is written. It is written. It is written all three times. You know why he did that? What I believe, why he did To teach you and me in 2020 how we fight our battles. 
our shield, our sword. It is written, it is written, it is written. Did it for our sake. Why? Because the devil doesn't care what you think. Well, I think the devil doesn't care how you feel. He doesn't really care what you're going through. But he does care when you speak the word of God. For he has no place. He has no authority. He has no choice but to flee when you come in the name of Jesus and proclaim the word of God. So let me ask you, church, when was the last time you spoke the word of God? When was the last time you memorized a scripture that spoke to your wilderness? Ephesians 6.17 says, Take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. That's your greatest weapon. Jesus was in his wilderness. It was his sword that was defeating the enemy time and time again. Church, listen. Are you in the word with your eyes and are you speaking the word with your mouth? And let me be honest about this. When it's the hardest time to read the Bible is when you're in the wilderness. But you know when you need to read the Word of God the most? Mm-hmm. It's when you're in the wilderness. In fact, when you feel like not reading the Word of God, chances are that's when you need to read it the most. And here's why. I bring this to a close. The byproduct of your reading the Word is that it will get inside of you and will begin to produce the very thing that you lack when you're in the wilderness, and that's faith. You want to know what makes the wilderness depressing? Because in the wilderness, you have no faith, you have no hope, you have no future, but the Word of God is the very thing that creates the faith that you need, nourishes and strengthens and fortifies you, it edifies you, Romans 10. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So I will build my faith as I get into the Word of God. And I will get out of the wilderness when I build my faith. When I speak the Word of God over my kids, when I speak the Word of God over my depression, over my marriage, over my finances, And here's the deal. You can't get out of the wilderness on your own. After a great listing by the Apostle Paul of all the extremely important things that we should do as believers in Ephesians 6, gives us a long list, and then he says, but above all, here's the list I've given you, but above all of that, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You need two things in the wilderness. You need your shield and you need your sword. As the enemy comes and brings his attack, and he will, all you need is your sword and your shield. My faith is strong. My sword is sharp. Devil, don't mess with me. I will take you out. Devil, you may say that my marriage is falling apart, but let me tell you what the sword says. Let me tell you what the Word says. The Word says, no, what God hath joined together, let no man tear apart. That's what the Word says. It is written. Devil, you may say my finances are dwindling away, but I come back to you and say, no, it is written. My God can do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ever ask or think according to the power that works within us. Got my shield got my sword. So devil, take your best shot. 
I've got my shield of faith, and I'm wielding my sharp sword of the Word of God as I watch you run and flee. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord, I'm praying for everyone that's listening today who is walking in a wilderness. I pray that your word today that we have unpacked has been enlightenment to them, lamp unto their feet, light unto their path. Give us just what we need to go forward from this time. This is something we are walking through in order to. So be exalted in us today, Lord Jesus, as we bless you and we recognize who you are, that you're the way maker, miracle worker. We give it to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.